Welcome to New City Sermon Podcast. Join us as we open God's Word to be empowered and challenged today. As we continue this series on Authentic Church, we're looking at various scriptures that paint a picture of what it means to be an authentic church. Uh, Cody, you did a good job with all those Greek names in the beginning. That was a tongue twister there. Uh, when, I, when I travel, I've realized that when you travel, you get asked a lot of questions. And there's one particular question that I don't really like. Uh, it's not when I pull up to the airport. When you pull up to the airport and they get your bags, they say, how many bags do you have? And that doesn't bother me. Uh, when you go to the, to the counter, how many people are you traveling with? That, that question doesn't bother me. The question that for some reason it always gets me is when you land in the city that you're going to and if you have to rent a car, you wait in the line uh, to, to get the car and then you get to the front of the line and you work through what car you're getting and your driver's license and then they ask this question and it, for some reason it always throws me off. They say, do you want the optional car rental insurance? And I, and I never know what to say. For some reason, I'm never ready for that question, no matter how many times, uh, no matter how many times I travel, because I don't know why. Uh, immediately, I start evaluating myself, like, do, do I need that? Am I a good enough driver that I don't need the insurance? I don't know. Well, I'm in a, in a city that's not my home city, and so I don't know my way around, so it's probably more likely that I'll get into an accident. But I also drive on 95, and so I'm ready for anything that this city could throw at me. And by this time, my wife's like, can you answer the man? What, what's going on in your head there? That, that question always throws me for a loop. Do, do I want to choose the optional car rental insurance? Uh, it's been a tough week after a tough year. We were hoping that 2021 would uh, be a little easier than 2020, and here we are the first weekend, and a lot has already happened, and every one of you feels tired and stretched in different ways. But there still is a question that's before you this year. Uh, will you choose to take part in church community? The challenge is many of us see taking part in church community kind of like that optional car rental insurance question. We go, well, you know, I kind of already have some people. I already have people that I fellowship with. I have people that are more like me, and I've been hurt by the church in the past, and so I'm not really sure that I need this in my life. We go through all these dialogues in our head, just like I do when I go to the car insurance uh, counter. You know, it's easier to be around people that you have a lot in common with. It's easier to be around people who are like you. And because of that, we look at church, we look at community, we look at authentic church community, and we tend to see it as something optional that we do or don't need in our lives. Sort of a complicated question that we, offer, we answer at different, in different ways at different times in our life. But, but should we see church as optional? Should we see it like that optional insurance? Here at New City, our vision is that the church should be a blended family of diverse people gathering to joyfully worship Jesus. 
And today, I just want to unpack that phrase, a blended family of diverse people. Authentic church is, first of all, just people. Uh, Church is not full of perfect people by any means. You know, I find that we say this a lot, church is no perfect people, and we're fine with that as long as we're given the freedom not to be perfect. But, But then when we meet people who aren't perfect, we don't like it. We don't like it when people annoy us. We don't like when we see people's weaknesses or people's sin. But the reality is every church is made up of imperfect people, and therefore every church has problems. There really is no dream church. And one of the things that we can do that actually harms us and harms the church is when we expect a church to be our dream church, when we expect it to be perfect, full of perfect people. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a theologian who lived under Nazi regime in Germany, said this, those who love the dream of a Christian community more than the Christian community itself become destroyers of that Christian community, even, so I should say, even though their personal intentions may be ever so honest, earnest, and sacrificial. That is to say, authentic church community is simply starts with being imperfect people. But when we expect perfection, we actually harm the church. We actually harm the church with those expectations. See, the church isn't a building. It's, it's not this sanctuary that, it, that we're in. The church is first and foremost us. It's a gathering of people. Church actually means the called out ones, the ones who have been called out of the world to go back into the world and represent Jesus. In my house, I'm really particular when I talk about the church with my kids. They say, where are you going? Are you going to church? And I say, no, I'm going to the church building. I'm going to the place where the people gather. This is just a building that we could have or not have, but as long as we're the people, we are the church. An authentic church community starts with understanding what community even is. Community, if you break it down, is just two words. Common unity. It is a people that gather and have a common unity, not on their politics, not on how they approach the issues, but in Jesus Christ. Authentic church community starts with our common unity in Jesus Christ. And here's the strange thing. In an age where we're so used to choosing our church, church actually starts with Jesus choosing us. Church starts with Jesus choosing us as the dwelling place for God. One of my friends used to always say on Sunday mornings, he would say, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. And I got what he meant by that, but I said, brother, This is just a building. You and I are the house of the Lord. We are the temple. We are the dwelling place. This is how the authors of the New Testament talk about the church. Peter says this, you yourselves as living stones are a spiritual house. That is a house where God dwells. Paul says it this way in Ephesians 2, in him the whole building, and he's not talking about concrete and mortar, being put together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. That is to say, the beauty of the church is that God dwells in imperfect people like you and me. Not by ourselves, but together. Together. And therefore, in him, together, we have a new identity. A new identity that's in Jesus Christ. Romans 16, which was that first passage that Cody read 
with all the names that are difficult to pronounce. If you notice, though, that there isn't, there's one thing in there that's not hard to pronounce because Paul repeats it over and over again. As he says the names of different people in this real church that existed in Rome, what's the phrase that he says over and over again? In the Lord. Greet so-and-so in the Lord. Greet so-and-so. They worked hard in the Lord. And then at the very end of the passage, he says, greet all the saints. Greet all the holy ones. Greet all the ones who have been called out by Jesus. Why? Because every person's identity in the church is first and foremost in Christ. Every person has been forgiven through Christ who believes in Christ. Every person who repents of their sins and lowers themselves before the cross is a recipient of God's love through Jesus Christ. Every weak sinner is filled with Jesus' spirit so that we can be empowered to live the Christian life in Jesus' name. Our identity in the church is first and foremost being in Christ together. So here's a question. Do you see your brothers and sisters as first and foremost having an identity in Jesus Christ? Or is there some other label that you've categorized them into? Well, you might say it's different. I mean, John, you got this Bible stuff, but that was 2,000 years ago. I mean, look at what's happening in our country. Look at all the, the different divisions and look at all the different harmful things people are doing. It's just different now. Is it? If you read through Romans, you'll see that this was a real church with real people, real people's names, that had an incredible amount of conflict. Incredible amount of conflict because in the church there was both Jewish people and Gentile people. And the government at that time had treated the Jewish people less favorably than it had treated the Gentile people. So they had been affected differently by the political decisions in Rome. Not only that, but when they sat down to eat meals together, they could not even eat a meal together because they could not get past their cultural differences. Think about that. So what is Paul pushing? Okay, you have all your differences. They're real challenges. They're not fake. They're real. But who is your brother and sister? That is someone that the Lord loves. Who is your brother and sister? That's someone that the Lord has forgiven. Who is your brother and sister? Someone that the Spirit dwells in. One of the challenges is seeing our brothers and sisters first and foremost as in Jesus Christ. And that doesn't mean that we lose our cultural or ethnic identity. I don't know if you caught it in there, but the very first line, greet Herodian, my fellow Jew. There's something that Paul has with this person who's in the church who he shares an ethnicity with. See, being in Christ doesn't mean that we lose our cultural identity. It doesn't mean we lose our skin color. It doesn't mean we lose our language background. But in Christ together, it forms a new kind of family. And yet at the same time, we find that we can have affinities with different people in the body of Christ. It's not that we forget who we are. It's not that we forget how God has made us. But that has an appropriate place as we are together in the Lord. See, one of the challenges is when we assume that Jesus is first and foremost about me and my people rather than us being in Christ together. The people I choose, the people I want to be associated with, that's who Jesus is really about. 
we were all distressed this week to see the storming of the Capitol. I think what was most disturbing about that to me was to see banners flying that had Jesus written on it. As if Jesus uh, had chosen his side and was storming the Capitol with them. It's disturbing to think about, friends. And I'll tell you what's disturbing about it. First of all, it's idolatry. It's idolatry to form Jesus in your image rather than to be formed into the image of Christ. But secondly, as we think about this question of identity, people forming Jesus into their identity rather than their identity being formed into Jesus. As a church, we we all have our leanings. Each of us has a different cultural background. Each of us sees things a little bit differently. And there is righteousness and there is justice. But what you'll find as you talk to people is everyone comes down just a little bit differently on everything. If you're looking for a church where people align with you on most things, you will not find it. People are different. And as we move forward during this time, you will find that there are more issues that are coming up. Just this week, we've had the question of censorship And in the coming months, we're going to have the question of vaccination. And even in saying those, you you, you got an opinion, right? Guess what? Not everyone in this room shares your opinion. And you have to determine whether you're going to see your brothers and sisters as being first and foremost in Christ together or whether you're going to label them because they don't see it quite like you. And, And maybe we do hash those things out. There's certainly a place for that in the body of Christ but maybe there's just room to agree that we are in Jesus together. It's not that we avoid the issues, but maybe after we've hashed out the issues, we have to finally come to this place where we say, we are in Jesus together. Paul writes to the church at Philippi, and evidently in the church at Philippi, there was two ladies who just didn't agree. (laughs) Whatever reason, they both loved Jesus, they both loved Paul, they both ministered the gospel, they both served the church, but they couldn't get along. They couldn't see eye to eye. And Paul's encouragement to them was I urge Judea and I urge Sintish, which I think that's how you say her name, to agree in the Lord. To agree in the Lord. So, so here's a question for us as we talk about being an authentic church of people that Jesus has chosen. Are we more passionate about people seeing their identity in Jesus Christ or are we more passionate about people seeing our viewpoint? We hope you're inspired by God's word. What have you learned so far? As you listen, pray about applying it to your life. Let's continue in God's word. It's not that your viewpoint isn't important, but where is the commonality going to come from with people who are from all different backgrounds? It's going to have to land on being in Christ together because the church isn't just people, it's diverse people. The church is made up of diverse people. And listen, I know that diversity has been trendy or trending in the last 20 years, but let me tell you, I don't think it's going to be as trendy anymore because it's hard and it's painful. And people just, I mean, people just more and more want to be around people that think like them. Do you ever feel that? You ever tired of getting on Facebook? You're tired of like muting people? I know you do because I do it sometimes. 
Tired of muting people or, or blocking people? You just want to be around people that share your perspective in life. But guess what? The body of Christ is made up of diverse people. Paul writes to the church in Corinth that was a very diverse and divided church. He says, for just as the body is one and has many parts and all the parts of that body, though many are one body, so also is Christ. So we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slave or free. And we were all given one spirit to drink. That is to say, the body of Christ is incredibly diverse. Incredibly diverse. But the problem happens in our mind when we begin to rank who we think belongs a little bit more than us, or a little bit less than us. That was the problem in the Corinthian church, was they had this diverse body of believers, but they began to see, you know what, my people belong just a little bit more to Jesus than those people do. And when that happens, we begin to function in a distorted way. Think about that as you think about different cultures, different skin colors, different personalities, different political viewpoints, different marital statuses, different spiritual gifts, which is what Paul is talking about in this passage. What makes you say, I don't belong, or I don't need them? See, the way we function as a body of Christ, uh, theologically, we all equally belong to Christ as part of his family. But we should function in a way where no one can say, I don't belong. But also in a way where no one can say, I don't need them. Everybody belongs to Christ. Everybody is needed. So what does that look like? Well, here's an area. Uh, Married folks, invite single people into your families. Invite them into your life. Invite them to be part of what you're doing. They'll be shocked when they see how crazy and messy your house is. But what happens if single people in our church, young adults in our church, middle-aged adults in our church who are single, never get invited into a family? Is that what we want? Does that communicate that they belong? Friends, we belong to each other. We're not a community that's based on convenience. Rather, we're a community that includes one another because of Jesus Christ. We are diverse people. I belong, you belong. You need me, I need you. We are not just a collection of individuals. We are us. We are us. We are God's blended family. You're God's blended family. The challenge in our day and age is that we uh, have been overtaken by individualism. Individualism says that the individual is the first and foremost, most important thing in the world. So I'm the most important thing in the world. Now think about this. We are the most individualistic culture that has ever existed. (laughs) Ever. That's crazy to think about. Jay Kim says this, this is the ultimate paradox of the digital age. At the moment in human history where technology allows us to be connected more than ever, we are so very far apart. To the point that our very understanding of community has devolved into a sort of collection of isolated individuals. 
Brett McCracken goes on to say that the way we view community is not biblical. Uh, The way we view community is that like, I'm part of this. I'm part of this community because it's the best thing for me. And I'm on this spiritual journey and you're here to help me. But if you get in my way or you do something I don't like, I'm out. That's how we view community in our culture. But that is not really community. That's the church is about me and serves me. That's individualism. One of the other ways that I see individualism in the church is that people want to be part of the church, but not participate in the church. I had a guy a couple years ago who told me, like, I'm part of the universal body of Christ, so I don't really need to participate in a local church. And I was like, tell that to your wife. Tell your wife, I'm part of this marriage, but I don't need to participate in this marriage and see what she says. We have so many opportunities to do Christianity without other people. I mean, you can go online, you can hear so many sermons, you can even watch worship music just from the comfort of your own bed. You can grow and learn about the Bible without having to interact with anyone. You know, even even as we are in this moment where church has moved online, I mean, the way that we think about it is, is that the church should be online, but there's not really an online church. Does that make sense? Like we're a church that reaches out to those who can't come here. But the whole point is not that we exist to be primarily online. We exist primarily to be together as a family that is interdependent on one another. And for those of you who are watching out there, we know some of you have health concerns and you can't come worship uh, in person. But let me challenge you, the first Sunday you can, come back. We, We want you here. We want you to be part of this. There's no shame in taking care of yourself or those that you're with, but the moment that you can come back here, let me invite you, please come, please be part of this family that needs each other. They want you back too, so. Ephesians 2.19 says this, so then you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of what? members of God's household. That, that means that you and I together, even though we're different, even though we're not the same, have been redeemed by Jesus Christ. That his blood has forgiven all of our sins. That we are now beloved and God is our father. He's not just my father. God is our father. How does the Lord's prayer start? Not my father, our father who art in heaven. Hallowed be your name. You and I are now not just a family together. We're a family with the Holy Trinity. That's why when you're baptized, you are baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit because God has put his name on you to be part of his family together with us. So what does that mean in real life? Joe Hellerman wrote a book called When the Family or When the Church Was Family. And he said, if you really want to be family, here's what you do. It's actually quite simple. First, Share your stuff. Share your stuff. You see someone in need, just share your stuff with them. Secondly, share your hearts. As you're in pain about things in the culture, as you're struggling, as you wrestle with your own sin, don't keep it to yourself, share your hearts. Three, stay, embrace pain, and grow. 
that's where, that's where the rubber hits the road, isn't it? Stay, embrace pain, and grow. Because as you come and you're part of this church, you will soon realize that it is imperfect people. You will still re- re- soon realize that I am flawed and every person sitting in this room is flawed. But really where our authentic church starts to happen in a deeper way is when you stay and you push past that and you grow together. But then lastly, Hellerman says this, you have to change your view of family to be more than just your household. You have to change your view of family to be more than just your people. You have to extend that boundary of who's in your family to other people that are sitting in this room and to other people that are part of the body of Christ. Because you cannot do Christianity on your own or with your own people. One of the core commands in the New Testament is the one another's. If you read through the New Testament over and over and over, there's all these commands about one anothering. Love one another. Embrace one another. Be devoted to one another. Honor one another. Forgive one another. Live in harmony with one another. Build up one another. Confess your sins to one another from James. Now, if you're honest, you will say that sounds hard. And you're right. You're absolutely right. That authentic church as an interdependent family is incredibly difficult. But we need it. The view in our culture is that you are most yourself apart from other people. But this is the exact opposite of what God's intention is for us. In other words, you're not yourself by yourself. Eugene Peterson says this, There can be no maturity in the spiritual life, no obedience in following Jesus, no wholeness in the Christian life apart from an immersion in an embrace of community. I am not myself by myself. I am not myself by myself. You know, this week we we did our first men's morning and it was awesome because we had, uh, we had a handful of guys show up at 6.30 in the cold. We didn't even offer coffee or donuts, and they came anyway. And um, what was awesome about it was there was this moment at the beginning where Chris introduced himself, and then man after man went around the room and, and, and shared from their life as they introduced themselves. And, you know, when you get a bunch of guys in a room together, we're, we're like, we want to, you know, project our status out there, Right? Here's everything I did. But what was awesome is the first few people that went uh, weren't fakers. They didn't try and show how great they were. They actually just confessed their need and their sin and their weaknesses and their fears. And all of a sudden, authentic church community happened. Authentic church community happened. Friends, the church is full of imperfect people but those are the very imperfect people that God has chosen for you to walk with. A diverse group of people that is God's blended family. Thank you for listening to New City Sermon Podcast. For more information, check us out at www.newcityhh.com. We'll see you next week.